Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Gotta be feeling good about what Mike White's done today. On third and four, he'll look to throw. In zone, Wilson, a big play downfield. Wilson still going along the sideline. He's not going to go down. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. Rodgers in trouble again, and he's sacked again by Quinn Williams. What a beast, number 95 for the Jets. Listen. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time to answer some of your mailbag questions. We're going to do a little something different today. We're going to answer some questions with the Queen Kayla Pace. And then later, we're going to answer some questions with our friend Glenn Naughton, the editor of JetNation.com. So let's jump right into the mailbag and answer a question from Michael Christopher. Would you trade Zach Wilson to the 49ers for Trey Lance straight up if they would take the deal? And would you offer a second-round pick to Arizona for DeAndre Hopkins? I was looking at this. DeAndre Hopkins, I think, is due $34 million over the next two years, so $17 million per. If you cut Corey Davis, you could probably make that work. The only problem is it sounds like Hopkins wants a new contract wherever he goes. And at that point, you have to wonder... Is DeAndre Hopkins going to be the guy that would push him over the hump? He's had injury issues. He did get suspended too. So if you would have asked me this two years ago, I would have been all in. Now I'm not totally sure about it. Wouldn't hate it if they did it, but I don't think it would be a slam dunk move. As far as Lance and Wilson, I guess the only way you would do that is if you're really convinced that Wilson can't be rebuilt. Because Trey Lance has been in the league two years too, and he just got hurt. He's coming off an injury. How much do you really trust him either? I guess that's one of those, we both have two guys that might need a change of scenery type of situation. I don't know. Really what it comes down to is, do the Jets really believe that Zach Wilson can be rebuilt? If they do, then I would say hang on to him and don't make the deal. If they don't and everything they're saying is a smokescreen, then you might as well just deal him and move on. Yeah, um, I don't know if, I mean, I'm I'm just parroting myself at this point, but I don't know if you take a guy that with kind of like the, he's shown maybe better in some ways than Zach Wilson on the field, but still doesn't seem like the, the uh, for lack of a better term, proven guy that I'm really looking for at quarterback. Um, I don't know how much Trey Lance and and Zach Wilson like is a big upgrade on the Jets side and if Trey Lance is a big upgrade on the Jets side then what do the 49ers want Wilson for it just it wouldn't doesn't really make a lot of sense to me it's two guys at the literal same stage of their career different struggles but struggles nonetheless I don't know why um that that switch would be made 
Next question comes in from Tom Hine. He asks, what are the odds that the Jets stay with Mike White, Zach Wilson, and a mid-tier veteran? White had a future before getting hurt, and while I don't think it's likely, I don't think this gets enough attention. The argument is to take the big quarterback free agency money and allocate it elsewhere. Everybody's job is on the line this season. Let's just get rid of all the pretenses and say it right now. If the Jets don't make the playoffs, everyone's getting fired. They cannot go into next season with Zach Wilson, who right now looks broken. He may eventually be able to turn it around, but you can't count on him. Mike White, who's had multiple injuries now and who's only started a handful of games. He's looked good in a couple of them, but there's just not a body of work there to be banking on him. You can't bring in a mid-tier veteran who's not going to move the needle. I think the Jets have to take a real swing here in the offseason at quarterback. If Lamar Jackson becomes available, I would assume they'd get in on that as well. But it's got to be somebody with a track record here who they think could move the needle. Because if they go back in with the same quarterback room that they had last year, with instead of Flacco, a slightly better veteran, that's just not going to be good enough. Next question comes in from King Lampard. He asks, assume the Jets get Carr or Jimmy G. Assume for the next three years that gets them in the playoffs each year, meaning late draft picks. Considering the Jets have the 13th pick this year, when is the right time to draft a quarterback to sit behind the veteran, taking into account that making the playoffs makes it more difficult for them going forward? Again, this all comes down to, does the Jets coaching staff believe they can rehab Zach Wilson? If they do, then the answer is Zach Wilson is your young quarterback. You sit him behind Jimmy G or Derek Carr and you hope that he turns things around and the light bulb goes off with different guys molding him and hopefully turning him around. If not, then maybe you make a move in this draft, but if you do, you better trade Zach Wilson because you can't draft a quarterback in the first round to sit behind a veteran and still have Zach Wilson here. You could also take a stab at a guy like Hendon Hooker, who I don't think is going to go in the first round, and maybe sit him behind Jimmy G or Derek Carr, whoever it is you get. But in that case, you still would probably have to trade Zach Wilson. You could also try to rehab Zach Wilson now, and if it doesn't work, you draft a quarterback the following year or the year after that. Remember, Jordan Love, as an example, was drafted 26th in the first round. So it doesn't have to be necessarily a guy at the very top of the draft if there's someone you like. So that's really the best way I can answer answer that question but I do think that it all comes down to do they think Zach Wilson is that developmental quarterback that's maybe just behind the curve and needs somebody else to come in and help get him back to where they thought he would be or are they going to cut ties with Wilson and get somebody else if that's the case then maybe they make a move a little sooner yeah I also think we're missing a key element here I mean we've seen kind of like some leaks towards the end of the season about how it's Woody Johnson pushing Zach Wilson like Zach Wilson might not be up on the trading block you know like it might not be possible like if what if woody is pushing them to keep him and saying hey this is your two overall like you're gonna make this work or you're gonna try to make this work then it, it might not even be an option so again like i said i've said a lot don't want to spend an early pick on a quarterback i really like your uh hen and hooker idea scott um i just i think that he was deserving to be at that heisman ceremony over freaking stetson bennett oh my <laughs> gosh but um but yeah like i mean a guy like that fine like maybe maybe you hit a dak prescott not maybe not a great analogy to make right now given how he's been playing but uh yeah like you could get a, a guy who who pans out as like a, a pretty solid player i mean dak prescott was great in his first season um and has been good but like you know at the point being you can hit on a later pick at quarterback it's possible teams do it um so we'll we'll see but no not a, not a first round not a second round in my head um third is the absolute earliest i would go for a quarterback 
But um, yeah, I, I have a feeling that um, barring some kind of radical change or like an offensive coordinator that can that can sell Woody on the idea of not having Zach on the roster, I don't I don't really think that's going to happen. I think Zach is going to be on the team next year. So it's just it's something that maybe some fans are going to have to accept because it, it, there's more than just the coaching staff calling the shots and they can't they can't throw the big boss under the bus in front of uh, the media. So Kayla channeling her inner LeBron James when she said, I don't want to use a first round pick or a second round pick or a third round pick, not two championships, not three championships. <laughs> so Kayla bringing out her inner LeBron James as she gets ready for WNBA free agency. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Next question comes in from Kevin 62506016. That's a lot of numbers. He asks, after the Jets got rid of Mike LaFleur following two seasons, why should players be confident in their coaches? Well, I think part of this is maybe a lot of the players weren't confident in Mike LaFleur. I would assume that the players were spoken to about this. And remember, he was young and inexperienced on the job. He was passing game coordinator with the 49ers, but he'd never run an offense before. So with Nathaniel Hackett, those players maybe are more likely to feel a level of respect for him that perhaps they didn't have for Mike LaFleur because of his relative lack of experience. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Thanks to Kayla for jumping in before. Now let's answer a few more questions, but with our friend Glenn Naughton of JetNation.com. And we'll start with our friend Kyle Smith, who asks, who are your favorite characters on HBO's The Wire? <laughs> Glenn, I don't know if you've seen The Wire. I have. I would say that my favorite character on The Wire was probably Bunny Colvin. He was one of the few characters in the show that I felt like had a real moral compass and really wanted to do good and tried everything he could to accomplish positive things. Hamsterdam was obviously ridiculous in real life. There's no way that ever would have happened. But I thought his idea of trying to manage an unmanageable situation and try to salvage as many people as he could. And even at the end, when he and his wife adopted Naaman, and you see Naaman at that debate, and he clearly has turned his life around in large part because Bunny took him under his wing and really became a positive influence on his life. That to me was awesome. And that's why I would say that all things considered, Bunny was probably my favorite character on the show. Glenn, I don't know if you watched The Wire. If you did, did you have a favorite character? Um, watch the wire through, uh, twice. I don't watch a lot of, a lot of, uh, TV series more than once. Once you've seen it, you know, you know what you, there, there's no more surprises, but the wire was so great. I watched it twice. Um, I, I can't go with anyone, anyone, but Omar, Omar was amazing. <laughs> I see. I loved Omar's integrity and the fact that yes, he did what he did. He was a criminal, but he always talked about keeping civilians out of it. Like he would, he, he, he would, you know, uh, take your life from you if you were, you know, in the game, as he would say. But with civilians, he kept them out of it, which I respected. Um, and j just the whole makeup of his character. I remember when when his character met his end, I just stared at the television for about 30 seconds. I couldn't believe it because, I mean, that show was just so unbelievable. And that was so, at least to me, maybe I'm just dumb. I didn't see it coming in that scene. I didn't know what was happening. Um, but yeah, The Wire, to me, is a top two or three television show of all time. Next question comes in from Michael Christopher. He asks... Which of these do you think was the biggest mistake of Joe Douglas's tenure? A, not properly alerting ownership that Trevor Lawrence was a generational talent and doing everything organizationally to try and make sure the team was in position to get Lawrence rather than winning those games against the Rams and the Browns 
as the Jaguars ended up doing. B, drafting Zach Wilson at number two and not trading back. C, not trading for Trent Williams when he could have at a reasonable price. D, any other answer that you can come up with? No, I think A is the answer. Joe Douglas should have done everything in his power to find a way to make sure that that team was in position to draft Trevor Lawrence at number one. The Jaguars certainly found a way to do it, and they weren't even hiding it. Now, I don't know exactly how you would do that while not getting investigated by the league because we saw what happened with Stephen Ross and how he ended up getting in trouble, but the Jaguars pulled it off. So if the Jaguars could have pulled it off, the Jets should have too, and that, to me, by far is the biggest mistake of Joe Douglas's tenure because we can talk all we want to about, oh, if Trevor Lawrence was here, he'd stink. I don't think so. I think Trevor Lawrence was exactly what we thought, a generational quarterback talent, and no matter where he wound up, he was going to end up being an elite quarterback. Glenn, I've said this many times, it frustrates me so much that the Jets took that away from us. As Jets fans, Trevor Lawrence was our golden ticket for the next 10 to 15 years, and in the blink of an eye, the opportunity for us to watch him as a Jet for the next decade plus was taken away, and I'll always be annoyed about that. I know that I shouldn't be, but I'm always going to be annoyed about it. There are Jets fans you can talk to that still haven't gotten over the team passing on Dan Marino for Ken O'Brien. And Ken O'Brien was good, so there's a big difference yes, there. Was. Zach Wilson, on the other hand, has not been good. But there are Jets fans who will still rant and rave about that. I think that's going to be me when it comes to Trevor Lawrence many, many years from now. Yeah, I, that, that is, that's really well said. That's going to be our version of, of O'Brien over Marino. Um, and it, it was the, if if you're going to list the the mistakes this team has made under you know since Douglas came on board that was probably the most costly and and we saw it at the end of this year as Trevor Lawrence became Trevor Lawrence um you know he he looked absolutely lights out and the Jaguars now have a quarterback and the Jets are still searching next question comes in from Tim he says Scott I know that other than Evan Roberts you might be the only Nets fan on earth. Okay, I don't know about the only Nets fan on earth, but I get your point. Being a Nets fan and having seen both ends of the superstar conundrum in the NBA, how frustrating is that league? And doesn't this prove that for all the frustrations we as Jets fans have about the NFL, it's so much more equitable? Yeah, I think there's no doubt about it. Look, I'm not going to pretend like I wasn't pumped up when the Nets got Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and then later James Harden because you're thinking finally this team is going to win a championship because the way that the NBA works, and this is what you mean about the way the NBA goes, you have to have superstars to win. It's a superstar-driven league. And the only way you get superstars is if you get very lucky and hit on one in the draft or you're able to make some sort of trade, guys come in as free agents, but they all seem to want to play together. You're not going to have that one superstar on his own, and that's what we just saw with Kevin Durant. As soon as Kyrie Irving was out of here, Kevin Durant was gone too. He's off to go play with Devin Booker in Phoenix. Kyrie goes to Dallas to play with Luka. James Harden is in Philly with Joel Embiid. So these guys all want to play with other stars. And now the Nets are basically back where they were a couple of years ago, where they have some fun young players, Cam Thomas, Nick Claxton, Mikkel Bridges, Cam Johnson, Spencer Dinwiddie. These are all pretty solid players, but all they're going to be able to do is give you some fun moments and not actually win anything. That's maybe a sixth seed. They get bounced in the first round. And that's really the way the NBA is. You either have a roster loaded with superstars or you don't. And if you don't, there's no way you can win. And that's the difference with the NFL. 
Yes, of course. Obviously, if you have a superstar quarterback, much greater chance of winning. But because you have 53 men on a roster, you can build up a really strong team without having to rely on nothing but superstars. Whereas in the NBA, there's five men on the floor at one time, and so one or two players can completely make or break a team. In the NFL, if you have smart draft picks and make wise moves in free agency, the waiver wire, trades, so on and so forth, you can actually build up a team that can be competitive and potentially compete for a championship in the NBA that's almost impossible. Knicks fans understand this too. As much as I joke about Knicks fans and Knicks have only won one playoff series in 23 years, it's the same frustration there because unless the Knicks can find a way to get superstars here and the closest they came was getting Carmelo Anthony, the problem of course is that Carmelo Anthony just wasn't good enough to be the number one star. Amari Stoudemire blew out his knee and so the Knicks were in a situation where they were no better than a team that could get into the playoffs, maybe win a first round matchup. That's what happened the first year Carmelo Anthony was there and then they were bounced out at least with football if you go into the draft and you draft the right quarterback that can be something you build around you draft the right players you can build a strong roster in the NBA it's just so much harder to build a winner you either have to be lucky and have a bunch of stars want to come to your team or you have to be lucky and find a superstar or more in the draft look at what happened with Oklahoma City or Golden State but that's so rare it's so tough to be able to do that it really is a very tough league to get invested in because then these guys also will pull these moves like we just saw with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving where they just say, oh, I'm unhappy here. Things aren't going exactly how I want. I want to be traded. And now you're being held hostage by that talent. I suppose you can make an argument that somebody like Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson or one of these other star quarterbacks who either ask for trades or threaten retirement or whatever could tip the balance. But as much as quarterback matters, it's just one player. You're not going to have a situation where one guy can completely cripple your franchise by asking out. Even look at Seattle. They got rid of Russell Wilson, and even if Russell Wilson was still good, they were able to find somebody in Geno Smith who was capable. They used those draft picks wisely, and now they're actually a pretty solid team, and it happened fairly quickly. In the NBA, it's just not the same. You can't do it that way. As I said, only two ways to build a winner in the NBA, and both are incredibly difficult. And then when you get to playoff time, in the NFL, realistically, anything could happen. It's not likely, but look at what just happened with the Jaguars. They at least were competitive with the Chiefs. They hung around. It wasn't impossible they could have won that game. But in the NBA, you already know pretty much who has a chance to win the championship before the season starts. There's not really much of a mystery unless a star forces a trade midseason like we just saw with Kevin Durant. That's really the only way that you're going to see any kind of change there. So the NBA, very frustrating league, very hard to get emotionally invested in your team. Unless, of course, it's something like Golden State where they're locked in for years to come. Other than that, you're just sitting there waiting for the other shoot a drop whether it's some superstar on the team you root for who wants out or some other nonsense the drama of the NBA is probably better than the actual games at this point it's really where it's at it's sort of a pro wrestling thing so as a pro wrestling fan I guess I should enjoy it but there's more emotional investment in professional wrestling storylines I personally think that what's going on with Roman Reigns and the bloodline right now is far more interesting than Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving throwing a tantrum and getting traded. So, yeah, the NFL, for all its faults, it's a much easier league to enjoy because there is always that chance that your team could turn it around. In the NBA, it's so much harder. And if you don't have one of those two models, the superstars all playing together 
or the guys that you were lucky enough to draft, which again is incredibly tough to do. You realize how lucky you have to get to draft not just one, but two superstars in the draft and be able to keep them together. It is a very tough road. And there are so many teams that go into every season having absolutely zero chance of winning a championship. And that's a tough thing for a fan to grapple with. Look, as Jets fans, we know what that's like, right? We've had to deal with that as Jets fans for several years now, going into each season, not only knowing that they don't have a chance at a Super Bowl, but knowing they don't have a chance at going to the playoffs. They don't even have a chance at getting a winning record. Now, this past year they did, but it was the first time really since 2015 that you felt that way. And imagine having that feeling every single year as an NBA fan of specific franchises. It's really tough to be invested if you're not a fan of, say, the Golden State Warriors or a team like that. It just is very tough year to year. And with that, we will wrap up the mailbag. Thanks so much for the questions. Thanks to both Kayla and Glenn for jumping on and answering some questions with me. Don't forget to follow them both on Twitter and check out everything we're doing both at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. We've got an awesome All-22 breakdown right now of Derek Carr up on our channel. So go ahead and watch our videos. Subscribe if you haven't already. YouTube.com slash playlikejet. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-public.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quinn and Williams, Bless You, Thank You shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies. It's all there. Tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes. If you haven't done that already, easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't take you much time. It doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. For the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital. PlayLikeAJet.com. <laughs>